Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for this special edition podcast, Set the Stage to Engage, your specialty pharmacy team. This podcast is the third in a series of podcasts that's been created by the Section of Specialty Pharmacy Practitioners. My name is Mike Dukoski, and I am the Assistant Vice President of Ambulatory Pharmacy at Baptist Health South Florida. I'll be your host today. And today we're going to be chatting with Allison Trowinski from the University of Rochester Medical Center, as well as Michael Gannon from the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Pharmacy. We're very happy to have them both with us today for this very interesting podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to be discussing pharmacy team engagement. And even more specifically, we're going to talk about some very practical strategies that you can use to engage your team members to assess employee satisfaction and wellness as we see new and emerging staffing models, particularly now during the the pandemic. So very happy to have our guests and we'll get right down to some introductions. Maybe we could start with Allison. Allison, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your organization? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm excited to be here, and um, thank you for the introduction. I'm Allison Trowinski, and I'm the assistant director of our specialty pharmacy at the University of Rochester Medical Center in Rochester, New York. We are your accredited specialty pharmacy, and we're working on our ACHC accreditation this summer. Uh, We fill for almost every area that has self-administered specialty medications, and um, when I was a new practitioner, I was asked to start our specialty pharmacy program here, and it just started off with myself and one technician, so it was very easy to engage my team. It was just one other person, and over the years, we've grown pretty significantly, and we have about 50 FTEs in our pharmacy, so we've had a lot of, we've had to adjust a lot for engaging our team, so I look forward to talking about those things today. Thanks for that background, and uh I think your experience in growing specialty pharmacy is one that many can relate to, starting with something small into something quite large and impactful for patient care today. Now, Mike, let's hear a little bit about yourself and and your organization and and specialty pharmacy. Sure, yeah. My name is Mike Gannon. I'm the Assistant Director of Specialty Pharmacy Operations at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Our specialty pharmacy is underneath the Department of Pharmacy Practice at the College of Pharmacy with the University of Illinois Chicago, and we serve as a contract pharmacy for the University of Illinois hospital system. Our pharmacy is URAC and ACHC accredited, and our team is currently managing about 1,000 patients per month. We serve therapeutic areas such as uh, autoimmune, oncology, multiple sclerosis, hepatitis C, transplant, and pulmonary hypertension. And we currently have about 28 employees that provide prior authorization services, clinical management, and pharmacy uh, fulfillment operations for our uh, services. Thank you. So very interesting to learn about both of your programs. They've got slightly different models, but ultimately the same mission and goal. So now as we think about our topic today, engaging staff, we're going to start off at kind of a high level and kind of get an ideal for what your staffing models currently look like. It's been quite a year. Models for staffing have have had to adapt, sometimes be quite nimble because of the pandemic. So we want to get a feel for what your staffing models currently look like and sort of how they've evolved to the where they are today during the pandemic. Yeah, I can start. Uh, we've had 
of course, a challenging year as many did, but it was really a great year. I think it brought a lot of us closer. And we, before the pandemic, had a bunch of different offices throughout the hospital where it was the specialists and the medication access specialists working next to each other and collaborating. And when we had to social distance, we had to send our clinical pharmacists uh, home to work from home most of the time. And Right now we have a hybrid uh, system where they're working mostly from home and rotating on site so that we can space everybody out. And then our medication access specialist to spread them out as well as we had to put them in two different complete buildings. So we've had to really learn about how to communicate better through the things that we did have access to. So we use um, Skype a lot. We use OneNote a lot. Email, of course, and our different systems and how to use that as efficiently as possible. And on top of that, this past summer, we were already scheduled to do a a system conversion with our dispensing system. So we really had to work together to make sure that nothing fell through the cracks. And we had updates continuously. We had lots of meetings to make sure that we could continue to provide the patients with the same care. And they, I don't think, noticed any changes really other than that their label looked different when we switched our pharmacy system. So even though we had all these changes, we really never slowed down with our volume and we just continued to grow. So it was pretty impressive to see people come together. And I think everyone really contributed to the different ways that we could communicate. And we're still working on that. As we get more space, we're actually going to be moving to be across three different buildings for the same pharmacy. So it's going to be a challenge coming up this fall to figure out how we're going to handle that and make sure that nothing falls through the cracks as well. Thank you. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, System conversion during the pandemic. Uh, We can relate and we can commiserate with you that that must have been challenging, but I'm so happy to hear that it was as successful and seamless as it was. So I think we're all getting a sense that our pharmacies don't necessarily live within the walls of our pharmacies, you know, (laughs) anymore. The the definitions are changing. Mike, I'd love to hear how it's looking for you. Yeah, we've had very similar experiences here at UIC. And thanks, Allison, for sharing sharing your perspectives. So for us, uh, more recently, we've aligned some of the roles within our pharmacy staff to be more remote than on-site. So for instance, A lot of our prior authorization support and our clinical management that's done over the phone, most of that staff has been working exclusively remote. Uh, And we've had situations where if we need on-site support, then then those folks will come in and work on-site when asked upon. Those folks have been primarily working remotely. Uh, We have had a few folks that just for for personal preferences, they, they would like to stay on site. And so we've been able to accommodate those requests. And then our pharmacy operations, which is going to be more of our filling, verification, uh, stuff where you have to physically touch the product, those employees have all been working on site. And so that that's naturally progressed over the course of the year. When we first started, we were very rotation heavy. So we would have employees that would rotate between working on site and working remotely to keep it equitable. And eventually, you know, over time, you know, certain people just expressed the need to be on site. And, and we just went with that and, and, and maintained that over the past six to 12 months. I would say 
some of the biggest challenges we experienced were just getting teams equipped with the right equipment, headsets, microphones, cameras. I think something that we were very cognizant of at the very beginning is just setting the stage of, you know, we need you to be flexible. We need you to be resilient. We need you. To, so getting that in their mind when, when you're communicating with them, that this is, you know, what to expect and we're going to take it day by day and we're going to, we're going to go from there. So almost setting the stage with, with the staff, setting a mindset with the staff that this is what we're going to need to do in order to get through this difficult time. And then right now we're in the process of evaluating more of a hybrid model where we have, you know, set, set rotations between staff where maybe this week, three days, you're remote and two days on site, and then switch it the following week just to keep it more equitable for everybody involved and also address any on-site issues that need to be addressed if we're either short staffed or have the need to bring staff on site. Uh, so, so yeah, we're constantly evaluating this and, and looking at ways that we can keep the remote aspect in our staffing model, but also be a little bit more equitable for everybody involved. within. Talk our- to me a little bit more about that, uh, about equitability. That's a topic that comes up quite a bit. How have you uh, tried to make sure that everyone is being fairly treated when it comes to the schedule and and how have the staff perceived that? Yeah, you know, I think um, our staff has been really flexible. You know, we haven't really had too many issues within our organization. You know, we do, we are part of an organization that has six other retail pharmacies where their work is more on-site work. They don't have the opportunity to engage patients remotely or or do prior authorization support, which is primarily a, a remote task, or can be a, a task that's done remotely, I should say. So we have had challenges working and you know, positioning ourselves as a service that can be remote in the context of you know the other pharmacies that we're we're collaborating with and working with. And so, you know, their staff are asking a lot of questions, you know, where are, where are those people I haven't seen so-and-so, you know, what are they doing? What are they working on? So I think it's just important on us as a leadership team to continue to show, you know, this is what we're doing. This is how we're measuring their productivity and just communicating that and letting the managers communicate back down to their staff and, and show them, you know, that we have the opportunity and the functionality to go ahead and do that. And so in order to maintain social distancing, as well as other workplace initiatives around reducing spread of the virus, we're going to maximize our capability to work remotely so that we can minimize the risk of spreading the virus while also promoting, you know, employee safety and addressing employee concerns. That makes great sense. And, you know, I think that uh, at the end of the day, we are pharmacy departments and uh, we do dispense product to patients. So there will always be a significant in-person component to what we do. And the nature of that's going to depend, uh, depending on the type of pharmacy and the services that are provided in each uh, practice setting. So it sounds like you've really tackled that in a practical way for your system. Now, we're going to get it into a topic as we move forward that's really near and dear to my heart, and I know it is uh, to both of yours as well, and that is the satisfaction of employees with your current models. I've always been a firm believer that you should enjoy coming to work every day. Our employees, uh, at least most days, should look forward to it and appreciate the opportunity that we have to impact patient care. It's different today with uh, 
these different models that we've had to employ over the last year. So I want to get a sense of how you're trying to measure the satisfaction of your employees in, in these uh, new sort of hybrid models. Maybe, Mike, we could start with you. Sure, yeah. Our team does an annual employee satisfaction survey. It's, a, it's about a 20-question survey that gets sent out in March of each year. And we also get feedback on one-on-one meetings. So we have meetings between employee and supervisor where there's an opportunity to talk about issues or concerns or uh, address any things that would impact the employee's satisfaction with their work. And then also, I think an important aspect of evaluating is just management by walking around. I've picked up on a lot of little things that might be communication issues or things that might be a conflict between staff members just by walking and seeing how people interact and and listening to some of the side conversations that are occurring on a day-to-day basis. If that's either on-site between two employees or potentially, you know, hearing it from someone that's on the phone with colleague that's working remotely and is on the other side of the phone. So those are all been, you know, key areas that we evaluate in terms of our, our satisfaction. And I would say that, you know, when we, when we started the pandemic and we went remote, we did a special satisfaction survey to see how the employees have adjusted to working remotely. And at that point in time, our employees were very happy with the fact that they were able to, you know, work at home especially with the context of the pandemic, you know, it was a safety thing. I think they realized the benefits of not having to travel, more flexibility with the hours that they're able to put in. They felt more productive. But I think as the year has gone on, the feedback that we're really getting from the team is that they want to have more interaction with their colleagues and they want to have more of a split split role where they have opportunities to come in and, and work, but also have that flexibility to work remotely when when it may be best for them and, and their schedule. Yeah, we have a similar annual, well, actually ours is every 18 months that is done by the hospital and they ask questions about how do you feel about your relationship with your managers and your colleagues? And then we get those results and we can make plans off of that. And more recently, we started to use a resource that was given to us by our SAG of a ASHP stay survey. It's an exit survey is traditionally done for employees when they're leaving the organization to ask them like, what went well with your job? What things could we change to make it better? And maybe you would have stayed. Um, But at that point, it could be too late. So why not ask sooner of like, what can help you, what would help you want to stay or not leave? Uh, So we did that survey and we were able to identify a few things that would make the workplace a little bit more fun or engaging. And so we made an action plan based off of that. And we shared those results with our team and did things like, I was surprised how much people wanted just swag. Um, I'm not like, I'm a minimalist. I don't really want stuff, but they wanted things that had U of R logos on it. So we did water bottles and filled them with candy and granola bars. And we left them on their desks for when they came in. So little things like that, that I wouldn't think were that big of a deal, they really appreciated. And I really look at engagement uh, in two ways, like the fun stuff, the food and activities, which has been a little bit harder during the pandemic, but also just being transparent and clear about your expectations. And Mike kind of hit on that with like the one-on-ones are really helpful to get some feedback from employees. And I try to ask at least the same two questions each time of like, what has been the most challenging part 
of your work since we last met and what has been like a positive or a good thing that happened. And sometimes those challenges that come up, I'm like, oh, I can totally fix that for you. I didn't even realize you were struggling with that. And I think those help keep the staff engaged as well. So just those two little things that you can do consistently. And then we also survey on a lot of big decisions. So we are trying to plan how do we want to move forward with the hybrid flex schedule. So we have surveyed our staff to figure out what do they like the most about it and what do they want to see changed as we make plans for space going forward because the university wants to know what they can do with what space. Yeah, I got to tell you, I really appreciate both of your perspectives. And I think that you're really on to something here. It's changing times. And as we have these changing times, it's not effective to just dictate to people, this is what we're going to do, to get that shared decision-making and to let people at least have some role in deciding uh, what their future of their work is going to look like uh, is is really effective. And and thanks for sharing all those tidbits. So we're going to talk more about this now, thinking about assessing overall employee engagement. And we talked about some of the ways that you measure satisfaction. Want to now also get a sense for how you're measuring the productivity of your staff. We, we, we're, we're all managers. We count widgets uh, you know, from time to time, but it's a little different now in this model. So we want to get a sense for how you're measuring productivity, how it's changing with COVID being you know, here and, and adjustments we've had to make with the pandemic. Allison, how about you? How are you assessing that? Yeah, I think it's been something that's been evolving over time. I think in the beginning, we emphasize, you know, you have to be available when we want, whenever we really kind of need you to be. So we'd have regular Zoom meetings and make sure that we could see that they were there. And I think over time, there was that trust built. So we needed less of that. We don't have like surprise meetings anymore, uh, those types of things. Skype gives a status of if people are available or not. So that's really helpful to be able to know when you can communicate with people. And then we had a PGY2 pharmacy administration and leadership resident this year, and she helped us develop a dashboard for our medication access specialists and our support staff that gave a sense of how many activities each person was doing, um, how many phone calls they were taking and making. And the dashboard compares to their colleagues as well as to themselves. So it was kind of like a scoreboard for how well they're doing. And I think it's helped people who were in what we see as the red area below their peers, maybe didn't even realize it and have asked their colleagues, like, how can I become more efficient? And have brought those numbers up, which was really cool to see. And then we're working on dashboards for our pharmacists as well. We do all our documentation in our EMR through a flow sheet. And we recently were able to pull all that discrete data into Power BI, which is a place that we can manipulate the data and show results. So we're working on being able to share that with the pharmacist too. And I think that will... Um, help keep people engaged. And also there's a lot of cool projects I think that will come out of it. You know, I think Allison, you bring up a great point with the, the dashboards. So really the framework that we use to evaluate productivity for our staff is we use our quality management dashboard that we report out on, on quarterly. And, and we don't go into specific, you know, employees and, and kind of their 
volumes, and, and that should be something that we think about moving forward. And I think part of it is institution-specific for us. We have people that work in certain functional areas, but we give them really specific tasks. And so they may be doing you know, 80 to 90% of the tasks, and so it might not be, for us, good to compare certain tasks versus individual employees. But as we grow, we're going to need to do that because uh, we'll have more people doing specific tasks. But we look at kind of in aggregate the total volume in terms of prescription count, look at how many prior authorizations are we doing. Again, phone calls like Allison mentioned. It was interesting. One of the things that we noticed when we first went live with uh, remote was our abandonment rate actually was going up. And so we report on that in a, a quarterly basis. And so once we identified that as an issue, we were thinking, okay, well, what's going on? Is this is our staff not answering the phone because they're they're not you know they have either connectivity issues or are they are they not at their station when they're working remotely you know is there some other reason why the abandonment rate would be going up and so we were able to quickly uh, form a committee to kind of evaluate what's going on with the abandonment rate and and it ended up being a setting within our uh, ACD caller with how we were handling peer to peer phone calls and it was resulting in an increase in the uh, abandonment rate. So that was something that we didn't necessarily have happen when we had all of our staff working on site, but it was something that we needed to account for when we did go remote. So I think that was, you know, a good example for us of how do we evaluate the tasks that are being completed and and using the quality dashboard has really been helpful for us to to just make sure that we're able to maintain what we've been doing since the the start of the pandemic. We've seen our our volume for a lot of our specialty products has been pretty stable. Oncology has increased for us, so we, we are noticing more referrals for oncology. Our overall prior authorizations obviously decreased because we weren't having as many patients come to the clinic at the start of the pandemic, but that is now starting to, to tick back up for us. So we've, we've been able to kind of look at that from a, a quality dashboard perspective and you know make changes where, where necessary. Thank you. Those are some great techniques to keep the employees engaged and to be able to continue to communicate, understand some of the challenges. And I, I think that you both have used really good techniques to almost put yourself in your employee's shoes and understand what they're going through. This is new and unique to everyone. And, and so in a very kind but yet productive way, we're figuring out how to help everyone be successful in these hybrid models, which really important as leaders. So we'll shift a little bit to some additional techniques that we would like to hear that you're using to increase employee engagement. I've heard of a lot of really fun ways that this is being done, ways that maybe we could never do before or we never did before, but now we have almost like a little window into everyone's home and uh, we have some opportunities to get to know each other in a different way than maybe we did when we were even working side by side with each other. So Allison, love to hear some of the techniques that you're using to increase employees' engagement and and sense of being part of the larger team with your specialty pharmacy. Yeah, I think this is the fun part. It's all the fun activities that you can plan with your team. We have used breakout rooms and sometimes it's just, I'll do it quick and say, hey, like catch up with your group and see how you're doing. Best thing that happened over the weekend. More recently, we did one where we had to try to find a TV series that we all binge that was the same. And 
I thought it was going to be easy, but it actually none of the groups could come up with one. But the closest thing they could come up with was Tiger King. But there was always like one person in the group that hadn't watched it. <laughs> we were able to do in October a virtual pumpkin carving event, which was pretty cool. So we did it after work and we presented our pumpkins and we had prizes for the people who participated. And people talked about that afterwards the next day. We also did uh, meet my pet after work as well on Zoom, and we luckily had a variety of pets. So we had snakes and guinea pigs and dogs and cats and things. So I think just those little things, they're silly, but afterwards people talked about them and it gave a little bit of insight on their colleagues and maybe humanized them a little bit more. So those activities are fun. And then we also try to find things that we can still do outdoors. So hopefully when it gets a little bit warmer, we had snow yesterday, but we hope that it'll get warmer and we could do walks or things outside to keep people engaged in and getting to know each other, especially as new staff come on board. Yeah, I think those are great techniques. I I know for years I've been uh, looking at people's desks and I see a picture of their family member or maybe a pet or something like that. And it's been pretty neat to be able to actually meet those. I've met many of my teams, you know, children or teenagers or husbands and wives just kind of being on the background in Zoom. And uh, that's been a pretty interesting and unanticipated portion of this. But I think it's definitely added a measure of camaraderie to all of us. And, And so, Mike, I know you've got some other thoughts of how you've been able to increase employee engagement along the same lines. Yeah, I'm a little worried that my staff might relocate to Rochester because Allison has all the fun stuff going on. We haven't been as, I would say that we haven't formally implemented something that's long-term. We've done a couple little things here and there. Our team here is really, we before COVID, we were really, we bonded a lot over potlucks and food and celebrating birthdays. And so We've been hosting a monthly team meeting where we'll ask for pictures to see how everybody's doing in the pandemic and, and staying up to date on, you know, whose kids are doing what and what milestones are, are your kids hitting? Because, you know, that kind of shares a bond across some of the employees. But one of the things that we've implemented is uh, we've saying happy birthday over the, the teleconference each month to the people that had birthdays, the, you know, in that month. And so I think everybody has really appreciated that. It's something that we've always historically celebrated, and it's something that we've continued to try to celebrate here as we progress through managing and, and navigating the pandemic. I would say we did have a in-person meeting, socially distanced in-person meeting in October when the, the count started to, to decrease a little bit, and I, everybody really appreciated that. It was great for everybody to get together and see everybody, and it was for our institution, it was around the time it was uh, Pharmacy Appreciation Month, so everybody was able to, uh, you know, see people after a while, and it was it was just good to build the spirits heading up into the winter season. Things that we are thinking about, you know, I think um, having kind of like a lunch hour and just having everybody show their face on Zoom and being able to eat lunch and talk about things. Uh, we did have one employee that left during the uh, during the pandemic and it we had a meeting, a web a web conference meeting where everybody was able to say goodbye and we were sad to see our employee leave, but it was almost nice to just connect and be able to share stories and memories of what we've been able to do and and all the relationships that we've built and 
I think we need more more of those uh, social get-togethers via WebEx to you know share those those feelings and, and build trust among our, our staff. And as the summer months get going here too, you know I think we'll think about more creative ways to get together outside where we can stay socially distanced and you know celebrate the achievements that we've we've had over the past year and a half now or you know year I should say going on a year and a half yeah I'm curious to get both of yours uh, perspectives on this you you brought up a lot of really good ideas there and there was uh, the idea that many of us have are learning to work with uh, our virtual workplace and uh, we have webcams on our computers and uh I found that from time to time they are or are not used. I'm curious, do you have any uh, particular policies as it's associated with uh, mandating the use of of webcams? Uh, Obviously, it feels a little more engaged uh, when you're all able to look at each other. So, Micah, do do you have anything like that? Yeah, we were just talking about this the other day. You know, maybe that there would be a team meeting where we require you to show your turn on your webcam, but we don't have anything specific in place right now. It's interesting because I'm, I'm actually doing uh, the MBA program here at UIC, and, and one of the courses is organizational behavior, and they talked about building teams with remote capabilities. And one of the things that they talked about in, in the text that we're, we're reading is that even if you have just a picture of the team that you're working with next to your computer, it helps you relate to them better and it helps you build trust. And and they, you know, I don't know if there was a specific study published, but they looked at teams that have some sort of way to visually see other colleagues on that team versus those that don't. And the teams that have some sort of visual cue actually perform better in terms of executing the tasks that they were assigned to execute. So I think it's something that we need to be more cognizant of and, and something that we need to think about in order to make sure that we maintain that culture that we've built as we continue to progress with more hybrid models moving forward. I like the idea of the pictures. Um, we don't have any specific rules. I think they, our staff knows that it is nice when you can see each other. It's easier to have a conversation. My kind of thought is if if it's a meeting where all the Hollywood squares don't fit on the screen, like I don't expect anyone to really have their camera on, but if we're having a conversation and it's like 10 or less people, like I would prefer everyone's camera on. So when I know it's that number, I'll start off by asking, can you turn on your camera? If it's a bigger group, I don't tend to ask. Um, But I like at least like maybe the pictures, especially as we're remote and all over the place, it, with new people coming on, it would be nice to see what they look like. So if they do run into each other, they know that they're on the same team because otherwise you might not even realize that you work together (laughs) because you've never actually seen their face. Yeah, it's been fascinating to watch all this evolve over the last year. uh, Baptist, we're a big health system with uh, 10 or more hospitals. And I've noticed that each hospital sort of has their culture uh, within. So some hospitals mandated, other hospitals... uh, strongly encourage it, but don't mandate it. Others are not as as progressive or thinking about mandating it. And I, I've also noticed, and I imagine you have and our listeners have as well, that uh, typically the, the group follows the leader. You know, whoever is the clear leader in that group is, you know, typically who, if they share their camera, well, then there's a higher likelihood that others will. And if the leader does not, then 
it's virtually assured that others will not. So that's something for us as leaders um, in specialty pharmacy to keep in mind. I think it helps too with just feedback, right? I mean, I think um, the, the biggest thing that when you're leading a meeting via web conference and you can't see anything, you don't get any feedback in terms of, okay, are people understanding this? Or maybe people are trying to speak, but but they're they don't they're not aware that they're on mute, right? And so I think sometimes the camera really helps with that too. And I've noticed that me personally, I, when I'm leading the meetings, I have to take a minute, you know, extra pauses just to allow other people to um, give them the opportunity to speak up because they don't have those those visual cues anymore to say, okay, this so and so is going to speak. You know, I'll wait my turn. So, you know, I think the having the camera helps with those situations as well and, and may lead to a more productive meeting. Thank you very much. Those are great perspectives. And I want to kind of shift us a little bit to thinking about our employees, but now thinking about them in a, in a different way, not so much about their productivity in the pharmacy, but their wellness. You know, uh, it's been a tough year on all of us. Uh, for various ways, depending on how we've been impacted by COVID-19. And, and now we've got a different work environment. I want to get an idea of how you're gauging and, and managing the wellness of your, of your staff. Uh, maybe Allison, I'd like to hear from you. Sure. Yeah. We're really in our earlier stages of developing programs for this, but our university does offer a lot of different employee assistance programs that they have been making sure that we're all very aware of in case we do need help. But our department, our pharmacy department, has developed a wellness and resilience committee as well as a diversity and inclusion committee. And they're both have a lot of overlap with um, building community within our own department and checking in on how we're doing. And the Wellness and Resilience Committee has rolled out a well-being index. So each month, it kind of sends us a link that we can answer questions about how we're doing. And it compares our results to our colleagues and then nationally. And if they're in a, I guess, like a danger zone, then they offer any different, any of the resources that our EAP has to offer. And I think it's just brought these issues to maybe prioritize these issues for our pharmacy leadership to think about, especially when trying to reevaluate how are we going to do work from home in the future? And do we have to bring everyone back? Because I think there's a lot of benefits from work from home, especially for working families. And then, but then what do we need them to come in for? Like what type of collaboration? How is that going to work? So um, keeping on top of the wellness scores and feedback that we get from our staff, um, I think will help us be able to plan more for the future. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. I think yeah, spot on, we always talk about recruitment and retention. And uh, it seems to me that when it comes to retaining our best employees going forward, we have no choice but to adapt and, and uh, think about the new workplace because uh, that's what the best employees are going to want and that's what they're going to demand and, and to be able to retain them uh, on our teams. We've got to offer this uh, versatile workplace that the, the modern worker is looking for. Mike, how about you when it comes to wellness? Yeah, I wouldn't say that our team has implemented anything specific just yet. Uh, the hospital does have a burnout prevention and has developed strategic goals. And so even though we're, we're the contract pharmacy, there, there are some resources there and, and some policies that may pertain to us as 
uh, pharmacy within the scope of the University of Illinois Chicago. So they are looking at different strategies to help maintain uh, employee wellness. There have been a couple fireside chats, topic discussions, just to make sure that employees are aware of like what are what are the signs and symptoms. I think self awareness is you know the first step, and and being able to identify that you are maybe fatigued or burned out, and then and then you can communicate to your manager and say, hey, this is what I need as an employee in order to to maintain my my well being. You know, we have had some temporary policies around preserving benefit time because at the start of the pandemic, we did, you know, we were trying to do a lot of different things. And so there weren't as many people taking time off just in case there was staff shortages and it was close to the end of our academic year. And so, um, you know, our, our institution did extend or have a temporary policy that would allow us to roll over more vacation time that could be used throughout the next academic year. So I think that was kind of a nice benefit uh, that our institution implemented uh, just to make sure that people were taking that time and were able to to use the time that they they built up over the course of their their career. So yeah, you know, more to come from us in terms of implementing stuff specifically in our pharmacy. But, you know, Allison, I would commend you and your staff for, for the committee. I think that's an excellent idea and it's a great way to get feedback from your staff about ways to engage and, and maintain wellness. I think that's something that we should consider here as well. Yeah. Thank you. Nice perspective. Now, as we roll on to our conclusion, I, I wanted to get both of your uh, thoughts on if, as you take the totality of the last year in mind and you think about uh, engaging your employees, is, is there any uh, sort of final lessons learned that we didn't cover that you'd like to share, Allison? Sure. Yeah. I think making a conscious effort to do engagement activities um, is important because we're so far apart now. Uh, We're doing a lot of remote, so it's really hard to hear about the day-to-day things. And as we onboard new staff, it's really important to make them part of the team. Um, So we've had to really think about developing more comprehensive checklists as we train staff because normally you'd hear over here a new person struggling maybe with a patient call or what resource and you could just turn around and help them but now we don't hear those other conversations and we have to make sure that we're doing a really good job at our training so I think that would be the biggest lesson learned is onboarding for staff and making sure our training is very good. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, we're not just specialty pharmacies that are all business all the time. We've got to take care of our employees and uh, help them to be successful in this changing landscape. Mike, any lessons learned? Yeah, I think there's probably two that I would allude to. You know, I think I really learned the value of over-communicating and then using multiple methods or multiple modes to communicate to your staff. That was the biggest concern that we had when when we started working in the pandemic was just making sure that everybody was on the same page, that we didn't have any patient care related issues or we didn't have any staff related issues. So to me, just being able to over communicate and and relay messages in different forms so that people will receive that message and learning how they receive messages, what's the best form of receiving messages. That's something that I am definitely more aware of moving forward. And then I think the other thing is from an operational perspective, just being more conscious of how significant events can disrupt your operations and, and trying to discuss that before it happens. I mean, you're never going to be able to, to plan for everything, but being more conscious of, you know, 
what are some things, worst case scenarios that can happen and, and how would we handle that from our operations perspective and reviewing that with the staff so that when it does happen or something does happen, your staff feels a little bit more prepared and and we're able to transition a little bit more effectively than if we don't kind of account for those things. So that will be something that I've, you know, I've learned and something that I think I will take with me for the rest of my career is just being more conscious of how we can incorporate those things into, you know, educating the staff and, and our policies and procedures. Thank you so much. Now, as we conclude here, I got one more question for you. I was thinking, you know, two years ago, I had never even had a Zoom or video conference. I had had plenty of phone conference calls, but that was it. So, wow, how much things have changed in just two years in our workplace. So I want to give you both a chance to get your opinion on what's it going to be like in a year from now? What is remote work in health system specialty pharmacy going to look like in spring of 2022? Allison, you have any predictions? I definitely think virtual meetings are here to stay. I really do miss my walks between meetings. When I um, worked at the hospital and had to go to meetings after meetings every day, I'd probably get easily a few thousand steps in. And now I could look down at my phone and I get like 200 steps in (laughs) in my day of meetings. So I think uh, virtual meetings are going to be here to stay. And what I hope comes back after COVID is a lot more food involved with those Zoom meetings and being able to come together and have lunch together with people and have maybe a few less Zoom meetings. Uh, I can completely relate. Food brings people together in fun ways. And uh, when it comes to steps uh, and we're talking about wellness, I think you're not alone at all with that, that uh, this workplace has uh, challenged all of us uh, from that regard, from being active and uh, we've got to make purposeful time, perhaps before or after work, to make sure mm-hmm. we get uh, you know activity in. Mike, what's it going to look like in your eyes? Yeah, I think I think the whole pandemic is really going to transform how we engage patients. I think our work is going to remain the same, but how we do it will be a little bit differently. So, I'm interested in learning more about how do we, you know, instead of having telephone consults, is there a way that we can do more? WebEx type consults, or are there other ways that we can engage those patients from a digital perspective? I think um, looking at patient-centered care in, in the context of how can we provide that care from the patient's home so that they don't have to and making it more convenient for the patient, I think that's something that the pandemic may may escalate here over the next uh, one to five years. And I, I'm interested in seeing how that, that turns out. And uh, from a workforce perspective, yeah, I think, you know, just how we do work is going to be different. Our responsibilities will be the same, but how we do it will just just be a lot different moving forward. Yeah, thank you. I think we're, we're all in for quite a ride over the next few years in terms of the workplace adapting. And uh, I think I can speak for the three of us as leaders that it's uh, fun to be in the position of being able to shape what that's going to look like for our team. So I got to just say thank you to both Michael and uh, to Allison for joining us for this podcast. So we sure hope that all who were able to listen have enjoyed our conversation. And we'd just like to invite you to be sure to subscribe to the ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes 
access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.